This is FoxCast OT, a podcast for clinicians made by clinicians. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Find out more at foxrehab.org. All right, welcome to FoxCast. I'm uh, Jimmy McKay, joined again by podcast seasoned professional, Christy McCaffrey, manager of recruitment for Fox Rehabilitation. Christy, welcome to the, the show again. Thank you so much, Jimmy. Happy to be here. We're talking about something that you live and breathe day in and day out, uh, employment opportunities for therapy professionals, uh, essential workers. It's always going to be necessary. And uh, you help place physical, occupational speech therapists in positions. That's uh, that's your job. That's got to be pretty fun. Yes, it is. It certainly is, especially in this day and age. All right, we're talking about this day and age. Great radio segue, Christy. There you uh, go. Statistics in your article that you shared with the world at foxrehab.org under Fresh Fox Content. You dropped these statistics. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that OT jobs are predicted to grow at a rate of 24% from now through 2026. That's 20% greater than the national average. And employment for physical therapists is also projected to grow 22% from 2018 to 2028 much faster than the national average as well. Exciting news if you are a PT or an OT and you're listening to this. Absolutely. I think with the aging population as well, or as we like to call it here, the silver tsunami, you know, certainly we're looking at functional wellness of older adults. 80 now looks so much different than it did 20 years ago. So keeping people active and, and functionally well is something that I think, ha, you know, is very important to us at Fox, as well as many other physical and occupational, as well as speech language pathologists is, you know, keeping people active and independent as long as possible. So now that we know that there's a need for it, if you're considering, you know, working with older adults, uh, I'd say now is the time. The first step in finding an employment uh, opportunity is really that resume. We covered the interview. And I always like to say, listen, the resume gets you the interview. Interview gets you the position. We, we covered the interview. You did it in an article. We covered that as a, a podcast as well. But the step before that is right here. This is your resume. Piece of paper, or now everything's digital. It's a PDF. Um, outlining your career, what you've done, uh, what you're skilled in. And this is the first place that people start. Let's, let's talk about there's a couple different types of formats. How do you decide what type of format you're going to use? Yeah, great question. So, you know, the three basic types of formats are the reverse chronological, the skills based, and the combination resume, which really takes both of them into consideration. Um, I recommend for physical therapists and occupational therapists as well as speech language pathologists is really the reverse chronological format. It's the one that best fits most therapy professionals. It and this type of format just lists your relevant experience right from the top, um, you know, beginning with your most recent position and proceeding backwards. I think, um, you know, the the skills base and the combination might be more suited for someone that maybe has been out of work for a little bit. But honestly, if you're if you're a practicing clinician using that reverse chronological order format, putting your your most relevant experience right up at the top is one that I would recommend and one that most people in this skill with this skill set use. We read from top to bottom of the page, Christy, right? Yeah. We go left to right, top to bottom, making sure that you let people know without them having to hunt around on a piece of paper or a, a digital version of where you've been most recently. That's what I want to see. So, you know, name and address at the top, I'm guessing, right? How yep. can I, who is this person? We start with who? And then what has this person uh, been doing in reverse chronological, most recent to uh, furthest back in their career? Probably the best way to start. In terms of layout, 
This is a huge, huge question. People, mm-hmm. people, I've heard people argue over this. We've talked about this yeah. on a webinar before for the layout. One page versus two. Settle this for us. <laughs> yes. Well, honestly, as a recruiter and you're looking at so many resumes uh, at a time, especially for one position with certain positions, I recommend one page. You know, unless you're someone that has 10 plus years experience with tons of publications and certifications, you know, we're looking at resumes very quickly. Believe it or not, we're not spending the, you know, 15 minutes really reading every single line. We're scanning that. So if you're someone, you know, recently graduated up to, you know, seven or eight years, and even if you have 10 years, and if you can fit it on one page, great. Um, I I think it it really, it helps you just keep it focused um, rather than just putting, I mean, obviously at your job, you could, everyone could list 25 things that you do, right? Just keeping that very concise, I I think is really important. And it enables us as recruiters to just kind of glance at it, um, read it quickly. And rather than, you know, I have seen some resumes five pages long, (laughs) you know, it just, one, no more than two pages and keeping it simple. I've seen some resumes where the font is, you know, really fancy font, or they put pictures of themselves up in the left-hand corner, just, you know, very, and the format can, you know, I think people play around with the format to make it very um, fancy. The the more basic, the better. Just keep it very, very simple. Christy, what you're telling us is this is when you should, in fact, be basic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you go into detail in terms of fonts that are good to uh, to use and to avoid in terms of font size margins. That's all in the article online at foxrehab.org under Fresh Fox Content. We'll let you dig into that. Let's move on to where you want to send that resume. You've got it together. Christy lays out in great detail how you should be putting that together in her article. Something you should do before you send your resume, this digital representation of your career, is do a little research. Absolutely. You know, and I understand there are people, you know, you're applying to lots of different jobs. So it's very difficult to change your complete resume for each job you're applying to. And where I suggest you doing this is at the top of your resume. Gone are the days that we're really using objective, you know, what you want. You really should put a profile or summary section at the top that can easily be tailored for each of the jobs that you target. Um, and, and, and you know, going on the company's website, looking at their mission statements, and if you can tie in that profile or summary section to something that fits to that organization, really is powerful. Um, and I can tell you, you know, that's something I, I think we all just kind of glance at to see. And there are sometimes, you know, where it will be so off from the job that they're applying to, and it's just a, a turnoff, obviously. But there are times where it's, you know, for Fox, for example, if they're making a, that summary statement, something about geriatric population and how they like to impact the lives of older adults. It's like, wow, it really makes it resonate and think, wow, this person would be a great fit for our organization and makes you want to, you know, and I think as you're scanning that resume further, you already have that in the top of, you know, at the the top of your mind that this is someone that could culturally fit with our mission. And I think just kind of looking at each company's mission statement, their philosophy, what they're looking at, and, and just changing, tweaking that profile section to make it fit will go a long way. Yeah. Making sure that the the person receiving your resume feels as if you crafted this message and that's what it is the message about you and your brand if you want to look at it like that you mentioned that in the article mm-hmm. uh, it, that message was crafted 
for this organization. And it wasn't just a generic one that you're sending out. I know it takes a little more time, but you want to find the right organization to work with. And uh, they're looking for the right person to work with. So taking that extra five, 10 minutes per resume, man, that, that can help you land that position that's right for you. Absolutely. I can't, I can't stress that enough for sure. Finally, you wrap up with the crux of the resume, the crux of the resume in 2020 as we proceed forward. What is it? Yes. So I think here, um, you know, as you're listing your experience, most hiring managers, they don't really, I mean, it's important, obviously, to write what you've done, but I think more importantly, it's how you perform. So anytime you can include metrics and numbers to demonstrate your accomplishments makes them, you know, a lot more powerful and, and really helps summarize what you do well and what you do best with data. We love, you know, love objective numbers. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that's really important and it helps set you apart from the rest of the resumes. On the other side of the objective numbers, which you should in- include whenever possible, you also say to go the other way, which is subjective, back up your experience and those numbers with a patient's success story whenever possible. You know, it's a chance to really highlight what you've done and things that you have accomplished that you're really proud of, specifically with the patients that you've worked with. All right, so you're talking about objective numbers, sharing that on your resume whenever possible. What would be a good example of an objective number that you can share on your resume that would get good attention from a possible employer? Sure. Um, I think a really good objective, one that I hear a lot about that's really important to most hiring managers, is how many evals led to a completed plan of care. Right? It's one thing to go out there and make an evaluation of your patient and, and come up with a plan of how, you know, how you're going to treat them. But how many of them actually got completed? What's your rate of that? I think is something that really is important to a lot of hiring managers. Yeah, a lot of people bringing that one up as a, as a KPI, those key performance indicators. I think it says, it says a lot about the therapist too. Uh, mm-hmm. Doing the evaluation, meeting with this older adult, you know, in, in the case of Fox, building a therapeutic alliance and having that person trust your clinical judgment from the evaluation until you both think that uh, it's time for you to take a break or discharge, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I agree. I think whenever possible, that should be a, a pretty good measuring stick, which is completed plans of care. Uh, Christy, when, when people find out that you work with hiring therapists and they ask you, you know, what's, what's one piece of advice that I should hold near and dear to my heart as I go forward and put this resume together that hopes, hopefully lands me a position with somewhere that I'll fit well, what do you tell them? You know, remembering this resume is really um, your first step in helping you get that interview. So taking the time to make sure, you know, you're carefully constructing it, making sure it's proofread, looking, having, you know, a friend look over it um, and, and obviously, you know, tailoring it to a company where you feel would be a place where you want to work. I think that they're really important, you know, looking at your strengths, your goals and making sure your resume is in line with all of that, I think will help you land those interviews and ultimately find a job that matches where you want to be. Yeah. I think what I just heard you say there, Christy, is being thoughtful about where you send this and uh, making sure it's a good fit for you. And that's what that recruiter, that's what someone on the other side of the table is doing as well, is trying to see if you're a good fit for that particular practice and their patients. So being thoughtful, I think, is a good thing to end on. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Uh, Christy, thanks so much for sharing. I know this is a, a, an important topic for therapists either starting out their career or looking to make a change. Find that full article at foxrehab.org under Fresh Fox Content. Resumes, a vehicle to utilize for your career journey. Christy, thanks so much for your insight. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Thanks for listening to FoxCast OT, a clinically excellent podcast. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Fox clinicians work hard, love their work, and get the respect they deserve. Sound good? Then you'll love the autonomy to work in your own style and the support you get to achieve excellence. Plus, freedom and flexibility to have a personal life. Whether it's your first day or you've been around for a while, your contribution is acknowledged and rewarded. That's what makes Fox a success. Happy, well-trained clinicians make great healthcare. Are you a fit for Fox? Find out now at foxrehab.org.